0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. For the BamaOnline.com staff, it is a ride-along edition of Instant Analysis on this Monday, November the 11th. Happy Veterans Day to you out there. And a special thanks to those who have and continue or do serve our country right now. We're so thankful for each and every one of you. Uh, that make our way of life the best, that it can absolutely be, the best in the world right here in the United States of America. Again, we are from the whip, I guess, as the kids like to call it, uh, because we had a couple things working against us today for instant analysis. First of all, Coleman Coliseum is being set up or has been set up and is being readied as we speak for tonight's matchup with the Owls of Florida Atlantic. Game two of the Nate Oates era set to get underway around 7 p.m. Central. Alabama looking for that first win under Nate Oates. Got some bad, if not predictable, news from the NCAA. Just moments ago, Javon Quinterly, the Villanova transfer who had applied for a waiver for immediate eligibility after transferring in from the private school up there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, was denied initially, filed an appeal, had that appeal heard this afternoon, and news from Alabama just in the last few moments that Javon Quinterly, unfortunately, will not be eligible to participate for the Alabama Crimson Tide during the 2019-2020 season, that means Javon Quinterly will have to sit out under the NCAA transfer rules and uh, be ready to go. Uh, in 2020, 2021. So a blow to Nate Oates' team, uh, a team that was already gonna be heavily dependent upon Kyra Lewis at the point guard position. Javon Quinterly could have certainly provided some relief on the basketball, and also a guy like Kyra Lewis that can score it, can get his own points. Unfortunately for Alabama, that is not a dynamic that it will be adding, at least for this season, in Javon Quinterly. So we had Coleman Coliseum that was out. Um, It's getting dark, as you might be able to tell. We had the time change here recently from daylight savings time. So it is right at five o'clock central right now and with the oncoming um, cold front that we have on the way. Uh, With temperatures right now, looking at the old uh, temperature gauge on the odometer area here in the car, 68 degrees right now in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, at five o'clock central on Monday. By this time tomorrow, uh, it's supposed to be maybe in the high 30s, mid 30s. So we're looking at a temperature drop of probably somewhere in the neighborhood in the next 24 hours here in west central Alabama, a 33 degrees or so, mid 30s about this time tomorrow. In fact, the high for Tuesday will be around midnight tonight. Around 12.01, it'll be in the low 50s, and that'll be as warm as it gets here in Tuscaloosa on Tuesday. Now, as for the Alabama football team, obviously, sort of a fitting feeling to the weather today, uh, as the day has progressed anyway. Started out nice. Now we've got threatening skies, sort of a gloomy look, low-hanging clouds here in Tuscaloosa. Seems fitting following the Crimson Tide's 46-41 loss to the LSU Tigers on Saturday evening over at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Alabama back to work, though, on Monday, getting ready now for the Mississippi State Bulldogs in Starkville, Davis Wade Stadium. On Saturday, um, Alabama, as you know, winners of, what is it, 11 in a row in that series, lost the 2007 game, Nick Saban's first season, Sylvester Croom's next to last season at Mississippi State and since then it's been all Alabama in this series and it's really been Alabama historically in the series in general but Alabama back out there on the practice field working out in shorts and helmets no sign of Tuatanga Tonga today on the practice field if you followed our coverage at BamaOnline.com you know that Nick Saban said earlier in the day that in all likelihood, Tuatonga Tagovailoa would not be available or would take a day off, sort of still recovering uh, from a heroic performance, really. Yes, he had a couple of critical turnovers there in the first half, but obviously not 100%. And to still throw for an excess of 400 yards and keep coming at LSU the way that he did with his receivers uh, speaks a lot to the guy's character. You knew about his ability, you knew about his character too. and. Nick Saban, after the game, referred to him as a warrior. I think that's about the highest compliment you can get from Nick Saban if you're a player, especially a quarterback. But we didn't see two out there today. Otherwise, it looked about what you would think based on sort of the post-game updates from Saturday. Uh, didn't really come out of the game worse for wear. Obviously, some bumps and bruises. It was a, it was a heck of a battle. And uh, it was physical uh, in just about every aspect of the game. But Alabama out there at practice today, looking around this football team. The offensive line looked status quo in terms of uh, practice uh, player attendance. We didn't see DJ Dale initially out there on the practice field. But then we did see him later in the media viewing period. I'm not sure he was gonna be doing a whole lot today. We saw Fedarian Mathis up front with that first group in the middle along with Raquan Davis and Byron Young, the true freshman. Inside linebackers look the same. We did see Terrell Lewis and Anthony Jennings up front with those outside linebackers. Uh, Secondary uh, was what you would expect. Wide receivers, Uh, in terms of the primary guys, the top four guys, uh, Waddle, Devontae Smith, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs III, all those guys uh, were out there uh, on Saturday. I think Charlie may note something in regards John Mechie, It was late in the period. Neither one of us really spotted him, but again it was a quick period so I wouldn't put a whole lot into that uh, on this Monday. But um, the backs looked fine. Najee Harris after just a heck of a performance. 190 scrimmage yards in the game Saturday. uh, An NFL draft status cementing type of performance for the junior running back from Antioch, California. Uh, The backs look to be in good shape. Speaking of running backs, we did see Trey Sanders around the facility today and we didn't just see Trey Sanders. We saw Trey Sanders with a jersey on, his number 26 practice jersey, his shorts. Uh, He was basically in practice attire, uh, didn't have his helmet. Now what was interesting was that we also saw Josh McMillan, the veteran inside linebacker. He was with Trey Sanders. He too was in practice gear. He had his helmet. Now. Who knows where this might go, but it was just something interesting to note. Would I I go through this week sort of anticipating either or both of those guys being available here in the immediate future? I probably wouldn't take that approach if I were an Alabama fan, but just something worth noting while we were inside the facility there this afternoon. Um, Also saw LeBrian Ray and Dylan Moses working out in the weight room. Uh, you heard from Nick Saban in regards to both those guys earlier today. Nothing imminent uh, expected on either front with Dylan Moses or LeBron Ray. Saw Will Reichard on the practice field with the kickers and the specialists this afternoon. Didn't look like he was doing a whole lot. He was kind of serving as that all-time snapper, flipping it to the punters. Um, but he was out at practice this afternoon. Otherwise, I think from an injury standpoint and a practice attendance perspective, uh, that was the look today. Again, Tua tonga No surprise that he wasn't out there, at least when the media was out there for a very brief period. Uh, that's kind of the way it shaped up though for this team on Monday. If you got anything you want to get into, anything you'd like to say, any questions you'd like to ask, now's the time for it before we get out of here on a Monday, because we do have basketball tonight. Alabama men's hoops. What do you got for me, anything? Uh, D is asking about Raquan Davis. Uh, wants to know about kind of where he's been. Uh, Raquan's playing a lot of snaps. Played a lot of snaps. Um, played a lot of snaps on Saturday. Uh, had a half sack combined with Christian Barmore for that. Uh, and, and getting a stop for Alabama there. I think it was in the third quarter. You know, for Raquan, the last season and a half or so, it, it hasn't been a prolific stretch for him in terms of tackles for loss and sacks and you know a year ago you you kind of figured going into it that it might be tougher because he was more of a known quantity coming out of his sophomore campaign Uh, but as Quinnen Williams became more and more dominant uh, the focus sort of shifted from Raekwon to Quinnen but Raekwon still wasn't able to really sort of benefit from that a year ago. You know I don't think effort for the most part is a is a problem for Raquan Davis. You know, I think for this defensive line in general, and you saw it again on Saturday. This isn't a group that gets off blocks particularly well, uh, and when you're not especially adept at the inside linebacker positions, like you've been in the past, uh, that becomes highlighted. I guess you could say, I and mean, you could see it Saturday. Uh, Alabama with the quarterback draws and things like that from Joe Burrow. Had five sacks. Alabama had seven quarterback hurries, but didn't get Joe Burrow on the ground enough. It was five sacks. Could have been seven or eight. Give Burrow credit. Uh, he was he had something to do with that and, and sort of shrugging some guys off for Alabama uh, and avoiding some pressure. Uh, but Alabama's pressure numbers could have been even better, I think. Daryl's asking, does Alabama have a chance to get into the playoffs? Yes, Daryl. I think Alabama has, um, you know, uh, maybe even a better chance than it had two years ago when it didn't win um, uh, the Western Division title or an SEC championship. Uh, You know, I look at it from this perspective. I think Alabama's biggest threat or its sort of uh, most catastrophic scenario is within its own league. If Georgia wins out, Georgia wins out through Atlanta, Alabama's not gonna make the college football playoff. That's one thing I feel certain in saying. If Georgia runs the table from this point, point, that means probably beating an undefeated LSU team in the SEC championship game, well then, you gotta think Georgia as a one-loss conference champ is going. And probably LSU in that scenario would be the one-loss non-conference champ that would go. So if you're Alabama, kind of stings after last Saturday, but you need to probably pull for LSU to go ahead and win on out through Atlanta. Uh, and this one probably stings even more if you're an Alabama fan. I think you need to pull for Auburn this weekend against Georgia to go ahead and, and get a big win and position itself higher in the college football playoff rankings. I know a lot of you can't do that, but look at it this way. There's a silver lining if Auburn wins this week. Consider it that. Look at it from that perspective if you're an Alabama fan. If Auburn beats Georgia, that's gonna put Auburn up there in a place where all of this narrative about Alabama not having a win of substance to this point this year can largely at least be put to bed in the Iron Bowl. If Alabama could go down to the Plains in that scenario and get a win, uh, that would look really, really good on Alabama's resume. Yeah, I agree, Dale. I think you gotta pull for Pull for LSU and Auburn at this point. It hurts. I know it hurts some of you guys. I saw a question about would Alabama look at changing up coverages, <laughs> changing up uh, coverages for Mississippi State this weekend. I, I think the challenge, I think schematically, it's going to be similar. Um, I don't think Mississippi State's going to throw at you the sort of quartet of three wide receivers and a tight end to the level. That LSU did, although probably um, a little bit underrated, Mississippi State. The biggest problem Mississippi State has is protecting its quarterbacks and uh, can run the football with Kylin Hill. You know, Kylin Hill in his last two games for Mississippi State, I want to say right around 200 and is it 270 yards rushing or so for Kylin Hill in the last two games? So he's going to get the football a lot from the outset. And after seeing what Clyde edwards Hilar did to this Alabama defense. I got to think Mississippi State is going to throw it to Kylan Hill. They're going to hand it to Kylan Hill. Do a lot of different things to get him touches because Clyde Edwards-Hillar getting right in the neighborhood of 30 touches on Saturday made it really really tough. Tougher than it already is in dealing with Joe Burrow and those receivers. So I don't think Schematically, there's going to be major changes to Alabama's defense. It's just at the fundamental level. You heard Nick Saban talk about it today. 25 missed tackles? Uh, You can't have that. You can't have that. And one of the problems for Alabama, a big problem for Alabama, is that with its situation being what it is in terms of personnel at some key spots on the defensive side of the ball, you can't hide people in the Southeastern Conference on defense. I don't care who you are. And you really can't hide people in the middle of the field. You might be able to hide somebody at an outside linebacker position. Maybe at a safety, you can put somebody on a hash mark and tell them, look, just don't let anybody behind you. But it's hard right in the middle of the field, whether you're talking up front, whether you're talking about at linebacker, you, you can't hide anybody. You know they, they, They'll get figured out soon enough. Brian's asking about the uh, slant passes. Against LSU and how they sort of evaporated. Well, in watching the game Saturday evening, it was pretty clear that anything off RPO action, LSU was going to totally trust because LSU has elite corners and Christian Fulton and Derek Stingley Jr., the true freshman. It went into the game saying, We're going to match up on the outside, even against guys like Devontae Smith, even against guys like Henry Ruggs III and play man coverage on the outside. But the one thing that wasn't going to beat LSU on Saturday was that slant. And LSU was hypersensitive to it. LSU wasn't going to take the approach of, we'll let them catch it and then try to make the tackle. LSU's safeties were attacking those lanes as soon as they saw slants. Um, But what it did free up was Devontae Smith on the outside. And kind of what we talked about earlier in the season, you can take away the slant, but if you're going to play man coverage on the outside, as talented as Derek Stingley is, he's a true freshman. And we know what Devontae Smith is capable of. Just look at the Ole Miss game. Uh, and Devontae Smith, we talk about NFL tape. Devontae Smith, I was talking with Charlie Potter about this before practice today. If Alabama has an All-American wide receiver right now, it's Devontae Smith first. Now, you could say Jerry, uh, Jerry Judy. Um, included in that mix. But if Alabama has a Blitnikoff Award winner right now, uh, it's Devontae Smith. We're talking about national leading type numbers for Devontae Smith. Doesn't have the number of catches that Jerry Judy has, but he's really having a year similar to what Jerry Judy had last year. in that his yards per catch and his touchdowns and his receiving yards are way, way up there. So if you're gonna play man coverage on the outside, you're gonna take away the slant, the inside stuff, to Jerry Judy and maybe Jalen Waddle. Well, you're gonna get what you get out there on the outside. You know, and Henry Ruggs the too. He only had three catches, but he averaged over 22 yards per catch. So the outside guys got it done, uh, and that's what comes with the focus, maybe more so on the the inside routes. What else we got tonight? To ride along edition, except we're not obviously riding. We're just hanging out, talking some Alabama football, some Alabama hoops on a Monday evening. Sort of a therapeutic edition of Instant Analysis. Feel good, feel better edition of Instant Analysis, which, by the way, as you know, will upload on the Built by Bama Online podcast channel, which if you haven't already, you need to subscribe to the Built by Bama Online podcast. You can do that at iTunes. You can do it anywhere you consume your pods. And if you're there while you're there, we'd appreciate a review if you don't mind. I guess that's going to do it for a Monday night. That's it. That's all time for some basketball, Alabama, Crimson Tide, FAU Owls coming up. We've got continuing coverage. Charlie Potter's going to have that practice report for you. If it isn't up already, it'll be up momentarily. Um, we're gonna have continuing updates from Nick Saban's press conference earlier today. I've got a What Saban Said and What We Think It Means that's up at BamaOnline.com right now. Uh, so we got you covered. Kirk McNair's got stuff for you. Player availability, those things. As we get you ready, we move beyond the game of the century two. you know, Alabama's been here before after a loss to LSU, right? So, and in 2011, there were only two spots. There's four. And Tuesday night should be very, very interesting. There could be some serious butt hurt around college football, corners of the United States, if Alabama's still in that top four. Ooh, what if Alabama's in that top four Tuesday night? That's gonna do it. Travis Ryder, thanking you for joining us here on Instant Analysis on the Facebook home for BamaOnline.com. Got a couple more podcasts coming up in the next few days. Uh, We'll have T-Watts and TR on the Built by Bama online podcast channel. We'll also have Tuesday night Tide Talk with Charlie Potter coming up in the next 24 to 36 hours as well. Thanks again. Have a great rest of your Monday night, everybody.